dear son, happy Festivus? What is Festivus? It's nothing. It's nothing. When George was growing Jerry, up, no. his father no. hated all the commercial and religious aspects of Christmas, yeah. so he made up his own holiday. And instead of a tree, <laughs> didn't your father put up an aluminum pole? <laughs> Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rained blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. But out of that, a new holiday was born. A Festivus for the rest of us. Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Read your Bible is interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. Oh, what up, Angelo? Welcome <laughs> to the Rob and Caleb Show. My name is Caleb Hegg. With me, as always, the Hav. What up, Hav? How's it going, brother? It's going very well. That was that was funny. I I love it. Well, while I was raining blows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> happy Festivus to you, man, and a happy Festivus <laughs> to everyone out there in uh, in Radio Land. The rest. They call it the the show in the the display of strength. What's it called? That they, where they wrestle? <laughs> the, the feats of strength. Yeah, the feats of strength. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Oh. Hey, what up and shalom to everybody out there listening live, everybody in the chat room, everybody watching on YouTube, and even if you're listening on demand, we say what up and shalom to you too. Uh, let's get all the, uh, you, know, uh, you know, all the small details out of the way. <laughs> the Rob and Caleb show is brought to you by TorahResource.com. Torah Resource is a wonderful place to find all sorts of articles and anything you need to know about biblical, messianic, one Torah research. Uh, find all sorts of great stuff there. And you can find uh, free articles on our blog as well. You can listen to the radio station, which you should be doing right now anyway. And at our programming desk, Gary Springer, which he's not in the chat room today. He's slacking. Don't know what's going on with that. And you know who else is not in our chat room? Mark Randall, he's supposed to be running our chat room, and uh, he's supposed to be, uh, which apparently he is because we got people in the chat room. So anyway, those are the guys, uh, you know, helping us out um, from their respective locations. And Rob Roy in the chat room asks, what is the topic today? Good question. Uh, well, since it is uh, the week of the festival known as Christmas... Um, every year Rob and I talk about something that has to do with the festival. And last year we did the origins of Christmas this year. Did we? I don't even remember. Oh, did yes, we, we did. Yes, we did. Last year we did the origins of Christmas and this year. I we... don't even, I thought we, I didn't think we ever talked about it before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did. And so this year, actually, I think there's going to be some backpedaling, uh, at least on uh, the other end of the, end of the, the, the mic for, for us. I don't know what that was. I apologize. Uh, it seems as though Rob has come to some new conclusions, and he's been swayed 
by uh, different forms of scholarship. But before we do that, before we do that, uh, let's see here. Hang on just a second. I have to find... Yeah, I think this is it. Um... It's Rob Skimatria. Give it to us, Rob. What do we got for Gematria this Caleb, week? Caleb, is that your voice? <laughs> yes, it okay, is. Okay, here we go. For 105, we have a, a few special ones. Probably my favorite. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save my favorite to the end. Yes. Um, Elohim Echad. Elohim Echad. God so, is one. But you have to spell it with, you, you can't just use a cholom. You have to use cholom vav. Aleph lamed vav. Hey, yod mem. Then we have... This is funny. Chag HaChanukah. <laughs> the, the Feast of Hanukkah. Wow. That <laughs> okay. is some major coincidence. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Yod, if you spell out the letters, Yod, Hey, Vav, Dalid, Hey, the way, in a certain way, it's the spelling Judah, Yehuda, if you spell all the words out. And then Kisei David, Throne of David. Yeah. Okay, here's my favorite. Hayah peh. There was a mouth. <laughs> <laughs> a mouth was. So uh, maybe wow. that was it. That's uh, that's a sign to you because you're the loud mouth. <laughs> it's a sign to loud mouth. Uh, yeah. So well, anyway. I really fun, feel like we need a disclaimer for our Gematria, Gematria segment. No, we call it Gematria fun. Gematria fun. Fun, with, fun yeah. with Hebrew alphabet. The problem is, is that there's so many people in the, in the Messianic uh, Hebrew roots you know, realm that believe in Gamatria and believe in, uh, you know, Paleo-Hebrew interpretation. That's why we're going to flood it. We're going to flood the market. <laughs> oh, we're going to saturate the market with uh, with our uh, fun with Gamatria. Should I even bring this email up that I was talking about beforehand? Maybe not. I no, gotta, it's, we, we I have gotta, so much to talk about. Okay. I mean, yeah, I got an email that really ticked go me ahead, off. Go ahead. No, 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 it's but, okay. Uh, I got an email that upset me, but you know, this once again is going back to Itzhak Shapira. Uh, you know, the more I look at his stuff, the more I just think he's teaching a false gospel. And uh, okay, yeah, here we go. Everybody keeps everybody keeps saying that uh, everybody keeps saying that Shapira is is uh, you know bringing all these people to the Messiah. But my question would have to be, what Messiah is he bringing them to? Anyway, okay. Uh, so let's move on then. Let's let's not let's not touch on it. Um, so. Here's here's what normally happens in our week. Uh, I start preparing for the show usually the day after our last show airs and uh, thinking about different topics and whatnot, and I'll hit some of the blogs and, and uh, different websites on, online. Monday is, is a day that is fully given for me to uh, figure out our show topic, try to find links, try to find sound bites, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, and then Tuesday, uh, if there's anything that I still need to research or whatnot, uh, then then Tuesday it bleeds over into Tuesday. Hopefully, I'm wrapping up uh, all, all that kind of stuff by Tuesday morning, and, and uh, then I'm on to other things, and then we record on Wednesday morning. Usually, what happens is I'm the person who puts the show notes together. I'm the person who gets all the links. I usually am the one who gets all of the sound clips and all that kind of stuff, uh, because basically, I'm producing the Robin Caleb show as we air it. However, this week is uh, quite a different scenario uh, altogether. So yeah, this show will be underproduced and under uh, no, uh, no, no, no sound clips. <laughs> now, now I'm gonna, I'm still gonna produce the show as I am doing right now. Um, but the difference is. Loud mouth and the hawk 
The difference is that... <laughs> thank you, ladies. The difference is that I'm going to... Is that I've taken a back seat this week to Rob's, uh, to Rob's research. Caleb's letting me drive the car for once. I'm letting him drive the car for once. So if you wonder why this show Buckle is so much belts. better than all of our other ones, that's why. <laughs> no, no, I don't <laughs> think that. Anyway, let Caleb and I are coming at this from a little bit different angle. We're going to talk about paganism. Is Christian is sorry? Is Christmas pagan? Basically, that's our topic today: Christmas and paganism. And we want to jump into the weeds a little bit. And, and we disagree. We want, and and yeah, exactly. So what it looks like is going to happen is that we're going to di dive into some of the uh, research that we've been looking at recently. And I'll, uh, Caleb and I are understanding it a little bit differently, and this is good. So it's some healthy dialogue. We're glad that our listeners uh, are going to be able to download some of the key uh, pieces of information that we're chewing on. So you can... And while you're listening to us or after or whatever, you can go and look at the same articles. Uh, now, now, actually, you say that. However, the main article that I'm pulling from or that I'm going to look at with you that we that we certainly are disagreeing on is this one by Stephen Hidgeman. Hidgeman? Hidgeman's? Hi, I think it's a – yeah, it's Hyman. I think it's Silent J. Okay, so this one actually came in PDF form to me, and I don't think that we have a link to oh, this. Cause yeah, the link. I gave you a link. Did oh, did you? you? Uh, okay, I put every link that it you get. Okay, hang on just a sec. Let, the third one. Check the bottom link that you posted for the listeners in the show notes. You know what I don't have here? I don't have, I think that I no longer have elevator music. What happened to my elevator music? That's okay. Let me, I'll, uh, while you look for that, Caleb, I'll just say basically how, how this started. <clears throat> this, you know, Caleb and, and I and, and Tim and Gary were members of what's called the ETS, Evangelical theological society and they send out a quarterly journal i think it's quarterly looks like this it's just kind of you know bland it shows up in the mail it's like wrapped it takes forever to break the plastic you know to get in there <clears throat> so this was this summer june yeah june well so june late spring june 2015 and i'm like okay article by daniel block on the place for my name excellent article i'm just reading through this and sure enough here on page 299, there's an article by uh, Kurt M. Simmons, a person I've never heard of before, called The Origins of Christmas and the Date of Christ's Birth. And I'm like, wow, you know, the Christmas in, in summer kind of thing. So I'm like, okay. So this summer I read through that. I remember talking to Tim on the phone. We were both really frustrated with some of the things in this article, particularly its use of rabbinic literature to try to, <laughs> yeah. to uh, back, its up, back up at some of its pictures. But... In any event, this article is available for those who, you know, I think you can contact the, the Evangelical Theological Society and get a copy of the article, or you can just buy this uh, this particular volume. It's volume 58, number two, or you can just subscribe and get it every quarter. Sorry, that was a mistake. That was an on That's accident. Okay. I, I did not mean to do that. In any event, <laughs> one of the, the, even though I was disappointed in many things of this article, I benefited from it in certain ways. It helped me be more granular, if you will, in my conceptualization of the history of the development of Christmas. So I, uh, and then I kind of put it on the shelf. I forgot about it for, you know, we have other fish to fry here. And, and then we're coming into the season and it's like, you know what? 
let me pull that article back out. And so I sent a note to Caleb. Caleb's got the same journal. I don't think he had looked at it at, at, till, till then. And then uh, also looked at some other, uh, a particular uh, scholar whose focus is ancient Roman religion. That's his specialization. He wrote an article on Sol Invictus, the invincible sun, and I, early iconography and its association with uh, Christmas. So, and that's the article that should be downloadable. No, it's not actually, unless you have a academia.com. Uh, uh, no, I think you can connect, you can connect through Facebook. You, you, I think it allows people who have Facebook to download it. Oh, okay. So there you go. So that uh, so to Bonnie, if you absolutely cannot get it, just let Caleb or me know. And we'll send it to you. And we'll we'll email it to you. But but yeah, uh, for the those in the chat room who uh, Bonnie particularly who's having trouble down or uh, logging in or uh, to it, uh, go ahead and try to log in with Facebook if you have a Facebook account. Otherwise, you can set up an Academia.com uh, membership uh, very easily. It's free. So um, anyway, so so the fuel for our show today is is kind of started with with this article and then some of the other. Uh, historical work that we've looked at. Now, now hang on. Uh, just trying to I, put this together. I think we should clarify real quick, because you said the question is, is Christmas pagan? I think that that's not actually what the show topic is about. There are certain see, things... We don't, even, we don't even agree already. Yeah, see, there, exactly. There are certain things within the uh, within within Christmas that we uh, that I think you and I both would agree are, are obviously pagan. Uh, for instance, a Christmas tree, mistletoe. Um, oh, I apologize. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Sorry about that. So, so I mean, there's obviously things that are um, that are pagan within with, that have been brought into cr- the. No, se- but what I mean is, what we're doing is we're saying, let's right exactly. The, the, it is a problematic title, and the reason the t- title is problematic, I think, is people just associate it though. They think of it that way. They think people. There are people that I've encountered that say Chris, Christmas is pagan. That it's a pagan festival. You know? I, I, well, I'd agree with that. So, so what I want to do is that's why I was using this picture of us getting down into the weeds and start see if we can separate our discernment, a little, you know, clarify some things. Uh, what is pagan? What is not? Is it uh, originally a pagan feast that has been taken over? And and so before we divide, and I have actually as rabbit trail, Rob, I I know to be. <laughs> I really I do name. have an outline. And I know it's uh, it has only taken us two seasons, two full seasons into the third season to get Rob to finally write an outline for one okay, of the Rob so, and Caleb shows. Okay, here we go. But before we get into the outline <laughs> this morning, there's a I'm going to post a Yahoo article here. Uh-oh. Um Did it work? Okay. There's a ultra right-wing, I guess they call him, rabbi in Israel. Um and he, he refers to Christians as vampires. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and he, so this is, art, I posted a yahoo.com news. It's the, the title of the article is, uh, Jewish extremist leader wants to ban vampire Christmas from Holy Land. <laughs> okay. um, and so the, the, the vampires, of course, is the uh, one in one small thread of, of Jewish tradition the picture of uh, Christians as in the celebrating the Eucharist as drinking blood. So that's what that is. It's a parody 
of believers in Yeshua. Wait, when did that start? Uh, that goes back. Well, I know there's, it's in the medieval times, but even there's there was in the early early church there were times of people t- saying that Christians were cannibals because they ate his flat they ate flesh and drank blood. But okay, so, so is, is it a specific se- is it a specific sect though? Uh, I mean, you're not saying that uh, Christians actually drink blood on Christmas. No, no, I'm saying that this is a, a parody I see. that this extremist is using to care. It's a caricature. You know what I mean? It's like an exaggerated caricature. It's I a see. polemic. I got right? you. Okay, he, he I'm wants with you. To be, it's a, there's, a, there's hostility. I'm with you. He, okay. has, he has hostility, and so he's using these kinds of pictures. Um, it's kind of like, uh, what's the, the Charlie Hebdo of, you know, pictures of Muhammad or things like that. You know, make, make the picture really exaggerated. Anyway, Benzi Gopstein, he's part of uh, Lehava, ultra-Orthodox Jewish uh, uh, teacher who is, he says the Catholic Church is the enemy of the Jews. I mean, they have, they're real hard line. They, they are absolutely against Jews marrying non-Jews. Okay, but hang they, on. They, they believe Let's... all Arabs should be kicked out. Our enemies of the state of Israel need to be kicked out. Um, but basically, he, his, here's a characterization. Christmas has no place in the Holy Land, he says. Um, the mission of those vampires and bloodsuckers remains. If Jews cannot be killed, they can be they can be converted. And then he says, we wow. must remove the vampires before they drink our blood once again. So this uh, and this guy's been arrested. I mean, and they're, they're <laughs> tied with diff- <laughs> they're tied with different violence, uh, religious violence uh, against Muslims and Christians in Israel. Okay. okay, but why do you bring it up? Because, because he, what, why does this guy think Christmas doesn't belong in the Holy Land? Because, well, I mean, for, obviously, especially from a non-Jewish perspective, no matter which way you slice it, whether or not it's a Christian holiday or a pagan holiday, it's pagan in the eyes of, of the non-believing Jews, right? Right. Okay. So exactly, exactly. So so this is this is the point. The point is that, uh, and we can look at you can look at uh, the Jewish Defense League, and the their hard line. You know what what are their basic uh, you know or what what is their basic stance? Uh, they have like basic core doctrine that they teach, which is preserving Jewish uh, Jewish identity. That every Jew should be educated enough to be called a rabbi. Okay, but but at the same time, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? I mean, let's be fair. The Torah tells it tells the uh, you know tells Israel as a whole that they're supposed to basically run paganism out of out of the land. So to me, it sounds like while obviously this guy's extreme, and while obviously uh, he's he's taking measures that you know are are not uh, probably sanctioned by by the Torah itself. It seems like the motive is actually, I understand the motive, which is to rid Israel, the land of Israel, of paganism and rid Israel of the high places, right? Okay, but in so doing, he, he's conflating all believers in Yeshua, right? Our blood, our... He, so he's, he's seeing them all as Catholic. He's seeing yes. them all as Catholic, essentially. Yeah. Basically, he sees the so he sees the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which I would totally agree is pagan, 
as uh, the standard of nor- normal Christianity or m- normal Bible-believing Christians he sees as the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Right. Okay, so I'm with anyway, you. I just thought I, this is just interesting news, you know, that we have the issue of true, an idea of what is true Torah practice, and we have something called Christmas, and they're blending together in the land of Israel, and then you have, because there's like, I don't know, over 100,000, I think 100 and something thousand uh, Israelis who are Christian. Now, how many of those are Jewish? How many of those are not? Or, you know, I don't know. But <clears throat> in any event, that just kind of shows in today how this tension can manifest. Now, back now to the outline. Um. Now, where did I put it? Okay, here <laughs> oh, we go. Oh, wait, I got elevator, elevator music oh, for you if you need it. It. <laughs> it. Okay, so basically, I'll give an outline of the whole show. Okay, basically, I'm hoping that we can talk about two two different things, and they don't, they could be whatever order you choose. Okay, one is the reformers who rejected Christmas. What are the claims that the reformers had? Because we don't really have any rejection. We don't have any internal, I'm just going to use the word Christian, for lack of a better term, internal Christian criticism of of Christmas until the Reformation. And so it's like, okay, let's look at that. What is the, you know, in terms of Reformation history, who were those that were critical of it and why? And then I've I think one of the links has a guy who's a, who sees himself as like a true Presbyterian. And that's the, is it Kevin Reed or something? I don't remember the guy's name. Um, he has a series of accusations, the reasons why, what's wrong with Christmas and why, why it should be absolutely rejected by Presbyterians, which is a kind of a branch of reform, right? Okay, so just launch into it. Start. And then, and then the next part is I want us to go back and look at the basic history then. When and why did December 25th become Yeshua's birthday? Was it? And then there's three models that I want to look at. One is, is it religious syncretism? In other words, we're just going to take a little bit from this religion, a little bit from this, blend it together, make a new thing. That's Some people take that approach. Some people take that it's astronomical or cosmic event. So there's actually a scientific rationale that has to do with the sun that is independent of of the religious worship of the sun and then there's those who will say that it's actually a tradition received from the earliest church and that's the website uh, that we put up december 25th.info this person he's the guy who wrote the article by the way in the jets in the evangelical theological society that i got this summer so if even if you don't get no it is that article you might be able to download it, oh, but it's, it's DEC twenty fifth dot info. Wait, so wait, we've got wait, that. Hang, hang on, Rob. The guy who wrote the thing in Jets is Kurt Simmons. The guy who wrote yeah. the the article that you're talking about is Stephen Hidgmans. No, 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 no. There's another. The other link we have is the December twenty fifth dot info. That's the, it's the website of the same guy. Yeah, two, those are two different guys. Okay. Anyway, so anyway, so so enough with the outline. Get get to it. Okay. So, so we're going to look at those. That's kind of the, the parameter. So let's, let's start with the Reformation. 
I think it would be cool to see, and people might be really familiar with this. Um, and eventually, as as we get to it, I can share a little bit about what has what kind of got my attention this summer that you know got me to kind of rethink some of the assumptions I had made about it. Um, and so I think most people know that Martin Luther, although he was an important player in the in the Reformation, he he basically assumes, and from what I could find looking through Luther's writings, he basically assumes the 25th to actually be Jesus' birthday. Um, and I wasn't able to find anything in Luther that, where Luther was questioning this. Um, and as a matter of fact, he gave a sermon, a Christmas Day sermon, preaching on Luke, you know, the nativity story. So as far as Luther doesn't seem to have any polemical issue with, Christi- uh, with Christmas. But when we get to John Calvin, there's an interesting thing that starts to develop where Calvin is uh, interacting with a larger uh, community that has basically outlawed it. And he, his writings, and this is one of the links that we have you can, by Kevin Reed, um, you can see he's got several quotes from Calvin where Calvin's kind of ambiguous He's not coming right out and saying we shouldn't be celebrating Christmas. But he does say that, uh, uh, let's say, for example, he says, I come now to ceremonies, this is Calvin, which, while they ought to be grave attestations of divine worship, are rather a mere mockery of God, a new Judaism, as a substitute for that which God has distinctly abrogated, has been reared up by means of numerous puerile extravagancies. Um, and he goes on to say, the immense number of ceremonies which God by his authority abrogated once and for all have been revived. Um, and he gets, he, he mentions uh, people are, uh, in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Um, so the idea of these extra feasts that have been added by the Roman church are rejected by Calvin. He never explicitly mentions Christmas in anything I was able to find. And so uh, he's in the six, you know, 1500s, so 16th century. Then you go to John Knox, who was in Scotland, another important reformer. Absolutely. Now, he's, he's, he met Calvin. He's also in the 1500s. He comes right out against it. Uh, he says, and he says, all those feasts that the papists have invented, right? <laughs> that God's words damn your ceremonies <laughs> is evidence. <laughs> yeah, These guys, so, man. You know what the funny? Okay, hang on just a sec. Side note, I'm going to go on a rabbit trail for a second. That's a, okay, that's so that's you fine. know you know how we get, we get, I mean, people send us email all the time. You guys are so harsh on people. Oh, you guys. I, I you know I can't believe that you guys would say that oh, you know like oh how can you speak against people like that man if people would read some of the reformers <laughs> I mean come on these guys they are just in your face like dude Martin Luther he straight yeah. up calls people names have you ever seen the blog Pyromaniacs? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, there's a Pyromaniac, and they're all reformers that let his word be a, like a fire. And they're, <laughs> they're totally, they have a blog, and they, they just, uh, they quote all these, you know, these really, uh, I don't know, you know, 
real sharp-tongued uh, and witty. They're funny too. Oh, they're, they're hilarious. Like they really know how to use like, the. Yeah. Yeah, they but, know how to use the English language. There's no doubt but, about it. Okay, go ahead. So John Knox goes on. He says, as the feasts, as they term them, of apostles, martyrs, virgins, of Christmas, circumcision, Epiphany, purification. Because remember, there was a feast. The feast of circumcision is eight days after Christmas, right? Um. Now, that actually seems to be quite early. The and so they say, which the, things? The Feast, of, the feast the, of Circumcision? No, the Feast of the Epiphany seems to be uh, set, oh, yeah, yeah, a yeah, set yeah, date exactly. quite early. But for John Knox, this is all, he sees the whole thing as invention of the popes. He says of the papists or the Romans. Um, they should be, utter, we judge them utterly to be abolished from this realm and then it says, affirming further that the obstinate maintainers and teachers of such abominations ought not to escape the punishment of the civil magistrate. So now, John Knox, this is 16th century, it's a crime. I mean, he's advocating that it's a civil crime to keep any of these Roman feasts. Um, <laughs> affirming, just, just, I'm sorry, I got to read this. I mean, some, some of these are just, uh, this guy, John Knox, he's awesome. Affirming further that the obstinate main maintainers and teachers of such abominations ought not to escape the punishment of the civil ma magistrate. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, get him, John. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're going to jail. Yeah. Like, the, you know, the feast police show up, right? Okay, then I've got a quote from Charles Spurgeon. We're watching. Spurgeon... Hang on just a sec. We're watching. I'm watching the chat. Hang on just a second. I'll turn Rob's voice up. Why is Rob's voice quiet to everyone? Okay. Check, check, check. Okay. Hang on just a sec. Uh, let, me, let me finally play what I... Give us a second here. Check, 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 check. Say something again. Check. All right. Okay. Go ahead. All right. I'll, I'll try to be a little more, I think it's, you know, who is it who said that I'm like, you're like Wayne and I'm Garth. So I'm kind of like, you know, like soft, soft it, these, Everybody in the chat room thinks that uh, we, we aren't looking at the. Uh, yeah. Well, they're behind, they're behind our audio though. Yeah. There's a leg. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, Charles, I don't want to spend too much time, but I just wanted to point out that Chris, uh, Christmas is not without healthy protest in the reformed tradition. So Charles Spurgeon in the 1800s, he says, uh, certainly we do not believe in the present ecclesiastical arrangement called Christmas. Um, first, because we do not believe in the mass at all, because Christmas, right? But abhor it, whether it be said or sung in Latin or in English. Secondly, because we find no scriptural warrant, whatever, for observing any day as a birthday of the Savior. Right. Boom. Um, and consequently, its observance is a superstition because not of divine authority. And uh, another, you know, I found also in Spurgeon's commentary on Psalm, Psalm 81, um, he says, uh, when, when it can be proved that the observance of Christmas, White Suntide, and other popish festivals was ever instituted by divine statute, we also will attend to them, but not till then. It is as much our duty to reject the traditions of man as to observe the ordinances of the Lord. So this is Spurgeon, 1800s uh, in England, and he is teaching that uh, basically 
just as John Knox did, popish festivals. That's basically the same language. Why don't the ref- that- why don't the reformed churches today take into I mean, you know, my my Facebook news feed is just packed full of Spurgeon quotes. And yeah, and Spurgeon well, memes. So why why aren't why aren't these evangelicals uh, putting up these memes of, of Here's why. There became a, if you follow the history of the Protestant or the Presbyterian Church in America right around the 1900s after Spurgeon basically early 1900s there's a shift of like okay maybe maybe there's some redeeming value in Christmas and so um, and it's interesting because in the 1906 Book of Common Prayer there is prayers for Christmas but it stresses there's a whole intro says these are voluntary these are there's no obligation for you to pray these prayers so there was like a statement that this is not official church doctrine, but we're going to provide you prayers for it anyway. Does that make sense? So they're kind of building a uh, building a an in between space between saying it's not obligatory; these are not commanded in Scripture, so it's purely voluntary. If but if you want prayers for Christmas, here's here are some. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's that happens in the early 1900s and then I yeah, think it just continued. But, but even then, by okay, I understand that there was a uh, a a move from, you know, these reformers who now are saying Christmas is bad to what we have today. But the point is is that you have some of the great Yeah, you're saying that people who love Spurgeon so much Yeah, and are Calvin. Probably, Calvin and, and Spurgeon. And they're, they're, yeah. they're sitting down at the Christmas and, tree, and but even John Knox probably. Yeah, and they're not going to give. They're not going to give. Uh, j- you know, just weights and measures. There's Rob's. Uh, you know, just weights and measures to uh, to to Knox and Spurgeon and Calvin, who obviously are speaking against Christmas. Yeah, Calvin is the one that's a little bit. I, I wasn't able to find any explicit quote to the degree we see with Knox or Spurgeon, and there's there's other. There's other guys as well in the in the that tradition that you can find online, but these are the big kind of the big hitters, I suppose. And by the way, for the people in the chat room who are saying that they want us to post links, look at your show notes. If you're not getting the show notes, then that's your problem, not ours. Uh, sign up for the show show notes. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, let's go to. I want to go to this uh, because now we're. I I just looked at the time. I cannot believe we've been talking for 35 minutes. Good gracious. Let's move to the the crux of the argument. So this this thing that you can uh, the article that you can download. No, wait by, a minute. I want the, I want to go to over the I want to go over the the th- basic claims against Christmas by by this guy who's got this website, Kevin Reed. He's really researched this out. He's of the strong reform tradition. It's one of the websites on the our show notes. I just posted that again for the people in the chat room, our show notes page. Um Basically, these are them. These are his claims. And they might pretty much cover all the claims. There's some redundancy. The first one is the scriptures, both by precept and example, forbid the use of any form of worship which is not ordained by God. That's his first claim. Okay? Scriptures where forbid... Does he, wait, 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 where, where does he get that? The, this is his uh, summary. His summary criticism. Okay. Now, he, he's a present-day Presbyterian who's anti-Christmas. Got it. And I'm assuming he's in America, and he's trying to convince other people to stop. So he's a, uh, he would be a good guy to probably have on the show in the future, maybe next year. Um, but I just 
found his website, you know, just the other day. So basic claim, the first basic claim, scriptures forbid worship not ordained by God. Okay, that's the first one. And Christmas has no biblical warrant. It should be rejected. Okay. Number two, Christmas has brought an infusion of paganism into the church. Right? Well, if here's the interesting thing. Agreed. Back to the first one. That why why would reformers hold on to Sunday worship? Then? <laughs> okay, so here's and, and, and why? Okay, yeah, but even more okay, so, so was David sinning by dancing before the Lord? Okay, well here we go. So number two was admixture or mixed mixed things, right? You've got uh, idolatry mixed in with worship of God is is seen as being part of Christmas. Three, Agreed. Christmas remains a monument of the superstition of the Church of Rome. Ooh. Monument, and um, and he pulls on the Protestant tradition to say the Pope is the Antichrist, is the man of sin. So remember, and this, that goes back to Martin Luther. Martin Luther taught that the Antichrist is the papacy. And I think there's, uh, out of the Protestant tradition, I, I think Seventh-day Adventists might say that the Catholic Church is... Oh, we I got a remember. lot of people within the Messianic nope, movement who believe that. That, that the current Pope is either the Antichrist, but that might actually play into, you know, I could take, uh, I wouldn't think people as, uh, you know, maybe, I'm not even going to say that people are wrong about that because who knows, but, you know, I, I have my skepticisms when people say, oh, this new Pope is the, is the Antichrist, saying that the papacy in general is the Antichrist, I might... That's, I might that has able, its roots in reform. I, uh, I might be able to get back on. I might be able to get on that board uh, on board with that a little bit more than the you know a current pope is said anti. But get this language. This guy puts all remnants of papal superstition must be eradicated from the church, including favorable references to the word Christmas. The term Christmas itself lends credibility to, to popery because of the mass. He's right. And he says God demands that His people purge their language from the terminology of corrupt worship. Okay, well then we'd have to, if we're going to use, we got to get rid of the names of the, you know, I know, Lee White and all these other guys have written. Lou White? Uh, Lou White, fossilized customs, don't say Monday because it's Moon Day or Sunday is, uh, you know, so on and so forth. But but then you have to, we have to eradicate stuff out of the Tanakh. Out Hebrew, of the Torah. Because yeah. we have Tammuz, we have all these... Um, uh, names that are adopted from Babylon. <laughs> so, so obviously we got to, uh, we got to, we got to be careful when we're, we're using with these precision, uh, instruments, these sharp instruments. Okay. Here you go. The fourth claim against Christmas by Kevin Reed here, and he's done some research. Christmas observance undermines the sanctity of the Lord's day. But that's not in Scripture, so that... Well, I'm just telling you, this is his. I'm not saying I agree with him. I'm just telling you, this is his. Number fifth, the institution of Christmas assumes an erroneous view of church power. And he goes on to say, men do not have the right or authority to sanctify other days for stated religious observances. So there's some... That really goes back to the first one, uh, that all worship should be God-ordained. And then the sixth one, further, Christmas constitutes a false sacrament. Um, Basically, the idea of a of a separate mass or sacrament that, that somehow is Christmas as a sacrament. Seven, Christmas is a source of great misinformation and accessory abuses. So he says distortions of the facts. For example, pictures of the wise men <clears throat> in a manger. Obviously, they're taking something that happened later 
the wise men, and they put it um, at the manger, right? And so it actually makes, it distorts the story. But the big one, he says, with this, is that all the numerous manger scenes, uh, quote, manger scenes and religious images erected in public spaces, etc., are, this is a multiplication of graven images, quote, blatant violation of the second commandment, which explicitly forbids making or using any pictorial representations of God. So this is, again, these are the core claims against Christmas by the, I would say, neo uh, or purist Presbyterian uh, view by Ke- as expressed by Kevin Reed. Um, so he's got violation through imagery, violation of a commandment, violation of instituting new worship, a Trojan horse for paganism, and uh, too much association with Rome. See, I'm on board with him on, on probably about 50 to 60% of what he said. <clears throat> but this is not the meat of the argument. Okay. Okay. So that's basically that first part of what I wanted to go over it was just there's strong in the Reformed tradition, strong opposition. Opposition. However, I would I would probably guess, you know, I've attended Presbyterian churches before. Uh, it's been years and years and years, but I would imagine that they're going to have Christmas, you know, just like any other, you know, evangelical church probably does. I went to a Methodist church on Sunday. Yeah, did they have... It was interesting. It was, they have a Christmas tree up? You know, stuff? I got to say, uh, this is off topic, but I got to say, they did have a Christmas tree up and they, they had their little uh, their little Christmas pageant or whatever. I have to admit, uh, going to a congregation where our service ranges usually from about three hours to three and a half hours, depending, uh, and people stay at the, at, you know, people stay at the shul basically all day long. We eat me- two meals together and, and so on and so forth. Going to a service that is an hour long, I mean, it's like I got, I get there and I feel like, like I just got here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, where's everybody going? I, you know, like, I feel like the, I feel like the sermon is, is like an introduction. You know what I mean? But yeah. Well, you're used to having a big meal of spiritual. That is food. for sure. Okay, let's move on to the real the real meat of it, man. Because uh, okay, so that that's that was basically. I'm getting part bored one. here. Part two. <laughs> so we we all can see there's uh, resistance to Christmas in the Reformed tradition, and it doesn't appear to be much before that that we can find. Now let's let's shift to the, what Caleb thinks is our main course: basic history. So when and why. Did December 25th become associated, or okay. rather, I should say it the other way around. When, when did Jesus' birthday become associated with December 25th? Was it religious syncretism? Is it has to do with uh, astronomy and science of the stars, or does it have to do with the early apostles actually handed it down as a tradition? Okay, I got a quote here from this. So let's set up the argument a little bit. This is from this uh, article by Stephen Hidgemans. Uh, Probably Hyman's. Hyman's, okay. Um, so this is on page 378 for anybody who is, uh, who is following along and has downloaded said article. He says, It is usually suggested that establishing a feast day on the birthday of Christ became important as a result 
of doctrinal disputes concerning the human and divine natures of Christ. So this kind of uh, sets up for us what what this scholar here is is uh, proposing. There had been, uh, I'm going to go on with his quote, and then maybe we'll clarify. There had been numerous groups that argued for a strong distinction between the human and divine. For example, in the second century, the Basilidians, I'm saying that wrong, taught that the divine Christ appeared on Epiphany to reside temporarily in the body of the human Christ. In their view, the date of birth of a human Jesus was of no interest, as he was only temporarily host to the divine Christ. Now we're talking, this is me talking. And this goes back, Caleb, what you were talking earlier, the Epiphany was already celebrated. Correct. So the Epiphany was on January 7th. And the Epiphany I'm sorry, is, yeah, associ- January 7th. is associated with... Um, the the spirit coming the spirit coming it's it's associated with the spirit coming down as a dove when Christ was was baptized. That's the epiphany. But it's I also saw somewhere where it's associated with uh, the wise men visiting the baby, like that it's that it's that he has appeared to the nations, like that it has to do with. Yeah, but they say uh, they say that it was both, right? They say that it was both. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, and this follows in the line of keeping remembering significant dates. Uh, remembering significant dates in recent history was not crazy. I mean, we, like we've talked about before with, I think last week with the Megillat Ta'anit, the scroll of fasting has a whole bunch of days that were to be annually celebrated, um, by, in a way, it's kind of like a negative celebration. It's not that there was an active feasting, but it was a forbidding to fast. Okay, or hey, to eulogize. But let's go on with, I want to go on with this quote, okay. because we're still framing this argument, the, the argument that he's making. Two centuries later, the, I'm going on with his his uh, his quote here. Two centuries later, the Ma- uh, Manichaeans went further, claiming that Jesus either was not born at all, or in any case did not take flesh of the Virgin Mary, but simply appeared among men on Epiphany. One can easily imagine how the Feast of Epiphany could be linked exclusively to the divine aspect of Christ, which was somehow... Re- uh, revealed on January 6th. Because the word epif- uh, epiphany means revealed. Yes. Or, or appeared. Yeah. If the church were to celebrate epiphany only, but not the birth of Christ, that could be seen to emphasize that there was indeed a distinction of importance between the two natures of Christ, human, birth unimportant, and divine, epiphany, important. Developing a feast of the birthday of Christ was a reaction to these views counteracting such dichotomies by stressing the importance of the physical birth of Jesus. But why was the birth date set on December 25th rather than March 28th? Okay, let's recap. Okay, well you, you, let's you let's kind of jump the gun. Okay, let's recap. Let's recap for just a second, though. Okay, what he's saying, he's not saying that this is his claim. He's saying it is usually suggested that. So this whole paragraph is the author saying this is a common see but i don't no I, I, I see what he's saying is that they that that uh i think that he's taking the view that they that they were fighting a form of gnosticism that's, i think that i think that is part of it i yeah that's not all of it okay but but for, for I, this guy i agree but he, but i think that he also holds to the, to the claim that they were fight that the christians in the in the whatever century and we'll talk about that in a few seconds first second third century were fighting some form of gnosticism that was not only growing but uh, was becoming quite prevalent and that what they were saying was what the what the uh, gnostics were saying was look all things physical are bad and jesus christ 
He's the same. The, his physical body, bad. Sin, bad. Right? No, he the, didn't have. The, the docetists say that he only appeared, it only looked, seemed like he had a physical body. Okay, yeah, but other, but other forms of Gnosticism, I, I agree with you completely, that, right, right. But, uh, but other forms of Gnosticism were saying, yeah, he was, the, the, Jesus Christ, the human, was born sometime, but nobody cares about that because it wasn't really God. It wasn't God on earth. That was just some human dude that, came, that, that was born. But then when the epiphany happened, what happened? Christ comes down, he indwells this shell of a body, and now you have God on earth. Okay, okay. so and, and we're dating all these, this all happens basically when? Early 4th century, when you have all these kind of clashing against each other, right? But you have these different uh, views. I agree, uh, but, you, but you have forms of Gnosticism earlier than the 3rd than the no, 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 century. It. My point is, though, all these different views come to a clash— by the by the fourth by the year 300 these things are all you have the development of these different groups that have these different ways of envisioning who Yeshua is is he was was he just a man that was baptized and received holy spirit was he or was he not really human at all was he like uh, some divine being that was never truly human you know and you have different groups that have develop different ways of thinking it and they kind of all develop separately over the centuries and then by the year th you know early 300s that's when at least in literary record we can actually see them clashing okay but let, let's bring to light a little bit more what's going on here this author is basically now correct me if i'm wrong this author is basically saying look december 25th was not a pagan festival but rather the christians chose it and then the pagans adopted it as one of their holidays afterwards. Is that correct? Uh, he's not He's not making it that pointed. What uh, Hijmans or Heismans is saying, in my reading, is that worship, Roman wor sun worship has been conflated in those in the history of religions camp who, are try who say, oh, they just create a headline that says Christmas is the adoption of uh, the day of sun worship of the sun, Sol Invictus, and this guy being a a historian of Roman religion, if you look at all his publications, I mean, this guy is deep into it. Um, he says, "No, you're totally misrepresenting Roman religion, and it therefore you're it's almost like back to the Duplo Lego." My argument, you know, he's saying you're using Duplo Legos to portray quote paganism or sun worship, and there's really if you get feet on the ground. There's a lot of things going on, and you've got to be able to you got to put everything in its right place to have an accurate picture. That's what that's what he's one of the things he accomplishes with this article. See, I um, don't I don't think that I think that he he proves the opposite point that he's trying to make. I think that within his article, he proves that the that the cult of of uh, soul soul worship was so large in the in in the time in the time that we finally have writing about it in uh, in the three hundred in the three hundreds in the fourth century, and in the same document that you have attestation of the birth of Christ on De or the celebration of the birth of Christ on December twenty fifth, you have the same attestation of the the uh, winter equinox and the worship of Sol and Sol Invictus on that time. What but, ca what Caleb's talking about there, we should just pause, is what's the the chronograph of what three fifty four? Correct. It's called the calendar of three fifty four. It's the earliest. Now I think our. <laughs> 
the earliest actual manuscript we have is like from the 1600s or 1700s. So we don't even have, but it, it's dated to the mid-4th century in terms of when the text was originally written. Um, obviously, we don't have the copy that was originally written. Um, so it's dated to that time. And in that document, you can see it has, it consists of two documents. One is a civil calendar and another is a calendar of the martyrs. And the calendar of martyrs that's part of this chronograph of 354 is dated even older, but it was added to this uh, civil calendar as a giant document for a wealthy Christian in Rome. In in this document, in this section of the civil calendar, it has December 25th as a celebration of uh, Sol Invictus, right, the Invincible Sun. In this other section of the of this chronograph, this history of, of the martyrs, it gives um, what they call eight, it's eight calends or whatever, it's the, uh, it calculates to be December 25th as the birthday of Yeshua in Bethlehem of Judea. They're totally different. They're in different places of the book. They're completely far. They're not right next to each other. They're completely different. And scholars say that they're two, two different texts that have been put together, dated to the middle of the fourth century, and that they are unrelated. That, that's the earliest attestation that we have. Um, I, what I get from this article is that this scholar is differentiating the cult of worshiping the soul, the sun, God, in Rome, from, uh, from the idea of the sun in terms of its cycles and in terms of the other planets and the moon that have been part of what becomes a, it's kind of the development of Greco-Roman science. It's an advance taken from what they've learned from Babylonian science, and they're kind of pushing, and of course, we know that astronomy and astrology were really kind of blended together at this time, um, because it was, and we know this even from the Second Temple Jewish world, from Qumran, you know, we, they, have, they used the zodiac as a way to read people's character traits when they were born. So when people were born, yet in the Qumran library, we have documents, when people were born, what constellation was there and where the stars were, was seen as... They're using astronomy. Yeah, they was, was a sign of how that, of what that person was going to be in their life. There's a sense of, <clears throat> of their lot, right, of their destiny. So this permeated even the most strict uh, Jewish communities when it comes to purity laws and okay, but hang on, just views on, on the, the... Let's go on, back. On, let's, okay, Caleb. Go ahead. What? Well, let's go back because, and, I mean, and you're, 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 pass, you're, Philo, you're, you're passing... Well, no, I want to talk about... What? You're passing over all this, though. I mean, this guy, you're, tr you're, you're making it as if he, he states it as fact and then it, and then it works. It doesn't work. He, said, he, he tries to bring up the fact that this was all just, you know, that there's two different, uh, you know, there's the, the cult of soul and, and uh, all, you know, they're using the planets and everything to worship. But then, the, then there's just this iconography that, that we see. They're just using it as a calendar. He doesn't prove that. In fact, I think just the opposite. He says that uh, this is on page 
394, he says, The symbolic use of Sol and Luna was common in the wide range of religious contexts in the Roman Empire. We find mm-hmm. it on Jupiter, Dolginus, tri- Triangles, uh, Mithraic Reliefs, so on, so on, so on. Okay, he right. said, then later he says, In all these images, Sol is clearly not depicted as a god to be celebrated with feast days and chariot races, but as a cosmic body whose presence contributes to the framing and defining of the nature of the main scene. Now, down below, the way that he justifies that is he says, it is also those aspects of soul which are important in, for instance, the mosaic floors of the late antique synagogues of Hamath Tiberius, Beth Alpha, and elsewhere. In the large central panel of the floor of the main main nave, we find soul in the traditional Roman iconography on a frontal chariot within a zodiac and with the four seasons in the corners. Here, too, Sol is the anthropomorphic representation of the visible planet and as much is a cosmic symbol rather than a polytheistic god. Says who? I agree with him. No. Says who? Yeah, because what you're doing, you're importing, you're looking at the synagogue floor, and you're saying they must have been worshiping the sun. I'm not saying that. I'm saying yeah, that... Yeah, you are. That's no, what you're, he's saying you no, can't listen, do that. No, you, you listen, hang on. Hang on. Listen okay, to what finish, listen, l- listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying that that uh, they were sit, sitting there worshiping soul, but what I'm saying is that the culture around them certainly was, and they were borrowing things from paganism. They didn't just put them on the floor because they thought, oh yeah, a good calendar imagery here. But no. Caleb, there is no such thing as paganism. They didn't borrow something from pagan. There wasn't like a pagan. What are you talking about? Paganism. They're just like it's just the same thing as why we say that you have to be careful using the word Judaism. Paganism, that, that's just, it means some other thing. I know, some other thing There's besides, no, besides, need, besides the, the true be religion, more, right? We need to be more precise. I'm arguing that we need to be more precise than that, than paganism. You can't say there's no such thing as paganism. There certainly is such thing as paganism. No, there, the, the, uh, it's like a blanket statement okay. to cover a whole bunch of diverse things. Sure. Other, okay, and, so, and I'm and saying I'm, it's not helpful to say paganism isn't helpful for me in my thinking. Why not? Because... Because I look at the, at there's, we can find it in the Babylonian Talmud. We can find it on the, in the synagogue floors. We find the, the. Uh, You're talking the, about the iconography now. The iconography. Well, no, and the language in the in the Talmud they use the word tekufa, tekufot, calculation of of the solstices. Yeah. Is important for determining Passover, determining that whether there's an you're going to add an, a thirteenth month, and our darbet is based on on calculating the solstices. Is anyone else and, thinking that Rob's proving my point? That, no, you're proving my point here. My point is that, <clears throat> that this was science. This was not seen. It was starting to separate as science independent of cults of worship. When you have synagogues in the first, second, and third century that have... that have No, for, no it's not till third, fourth, fifth, sixth century. Okay, still, synagogues. even then, you have third, fourth, fifth, sixth century uh, synagogues that have... The the zodiac with the sun and the moon right. in the middle. There's many of them. There's yeah, several of them. Exactly. There's all like in four the land of them. Of, all in the land of Israel. Yeah, and exactly. they're Jewish synagogues. Yeah, exactly. Not, yeah. And you're saying that this had nothing to do with paganism or nothing to do with a, 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 a religious cult outside of the. No, nope. it had to do with what they think is was their conception of, prove si- of, of the world, prove of it. scientific world. You prove it. You can't prove that. Because I look at how. Yeah, look. I look at Philo. Philo mentions the zodiac. Um, exactly. Uh, Josephus. They even say that the the, the twelve zodiacs were it, were like on one of the curtains in the temple. Josephus does. 
Oh, once again, okay. The reason why is because they don't see it. They see it as representing as God, creator of all things. And and ever since the Babylonian times, people had been watching the heavens and seeing the cycles and starting to record the repetition of the cycles. Okay, hang on. And trying to make sense of it, and they believed that God had made this the universe as a giant. Kind of like it's where the idea of clock comes from, of a timekeeper, is they see the whole universe as a representative of keeping of time, and they see it as God created. God created it. They're just recording it and but, mapping it okay, out. But once again, you're so, not, you're not so doing the, justice to all the, the information, because Qumran certainly used it as, a, as something saying that it, it helped in predestination. True, true. But they didn't worship the sun. I'm not saying they worship the sun. I'm saying they, they borrowed they this. They the borrowed. Moon. They didn't worship the uh, Taurus or, what, or whatever. They have. They, they bring. They the used zo- it as a science. I'm arguing that they saw it as what we would call today as a as kind of a, a scientific mode but of thinking. That's not, not all. Religious. That's not all how they use it though. And we see that in Qumran. Qumran certainly puts more of a of a emphasis on it than just uh, oh. And not only that, but the fact that you have the zodiac. It, in the in the in the exact same form as we would see in other uh, non-Jewish, uh, I, should no, I, we use I, that I, word? I, I get that. I'm not disputing that that this is a, but this is all over the place. So I'm saying exactly it's a shared, my point. It's a shared, it's just like the internet. It's a shared cultural map of the world. Okay, but uh, that, hey, that hey, is hey. attempt to map the heavens. And the earth, and understand their relationship. But you have okay. But you have this huge cult of soul, and this author even admits that it goes back many, many years before uh, before the third century. No, 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 no. no. Okay, here I'm going to read a little bit from 384. So uh, hang on, hang on. Let's let's ask let's ask real quick, Rob. What are you trying to uh, uh, accomplish in in the argument? What 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 is your point of view here? What what I agree with this author. I'm convinced by his. By, by his argument that if we're going to look at soul worship in Rome, sun worship, we're not going to look at December 25th. We're going to look at, we're going to find a whole bunch of other dates, August 8th, August 9th, August 28th, December 11th. These are all associated in ancient Rome um, with the feast day for soul. It's not until this document, 354, that there was ever a hint of soul worship being associated with December 25th. They're, 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 that's his point. He says you, you can't just make that the day of worship of soul when in fact all the calendars from old uh, older times have soul worship of soul associated with completely different uh, uh, dates. That's that's important to me because I I had taken it to be. The picture I had, and it was mistaken, was that December 25th was this Roman holiday worshiping soul, and the Christians came and put a new label on it. That's I, the picture I had, and that's, and that's the wrong. picture. Uh, no, it's not wrong. Yeah, that's and, wrong. And, and it's he, totally he, wrong. No, it's not. He proves it in his, in his own article. No, no. Hey, look, let, let's ask this. You could you should write a response article. Why do you Caleb. why do you have a ra- why do you have Aurelius uh, putting a uh, an entire temp building an entire temple in in the uh, in the 270s to Seoul? Yeah, and what were the dates? October nineteenth through twenty second. But my point, okay, the, my, the dates of associated of, of, my, the, my, of the 
worship in honor of Sol was in October. You just said that the zodiac was this huge thing within within all forms of not just the Jewish uh, sect, but within all of culture in the first century. You're telling me that the that the winter solstice between, was between you know basically from Babylonian times up through where we're talking about you know the first couple centuries. Yeah. So 400 yeah, BCE, it, it, 400 BCE, yeah, up, up through fourth, fifth, sixth centuries. That, that the Zodiac was understood as a kind of budding scientific uh, fr- frontier. And you're telling me that, the, that well, it wasn't just, it just wasn't just the Zodiac. So the, the worship of soul was a huge cult. Way, and he proves this. Calculate, the rabbis take calculation of the solstices, the equinoxes, etc., as critical for, for timekeeping. Okay, and but, they use they use the word they use the they have a word tekufa for the solstice. But long, tekufa tevet long before, is the winter solstice. Long before Christ was on Earth, is what I'm saying is that the is that the is that the cult of soul certainly was not only worshiping, but was was uh, was attributing the zodiac to Luna and Sol. Mm. He says he says right here, here he says Sol was already portrayed on one of the earliest coins minted by Rome and continued to appear on Roman state coins for the next 500 years sp- uh, sporadically until the late 2nd century AD. So now he's placing that at uh, AD 300 and mm-hmm. almost annually often with multiple issues in one year. That means that it was a huge cult. it was a huge thing from the reign of Con- uh, Commodus until the reign of Constantine. In the uh, art the iconography of the Roman soul was firmly established well before the destruction of Pompeii. And Absolutely. And Pompeii was dis- destroyed in 79... That. And, I think that's good information. And Pompeii was destroyed in 79 AD. Okay. None of it has to do with December 25th. Likewise, the inscription... Um, what I'm saying is, is that you have, the, you have soul as a major cult all the way from 300 BCE, he says 300 BCE, all the way up until 200 uh, AD. Okay? So... And he, he will not... He, he will. He's not going to say it's a major cult. He's going to say <laughs> yeah, it's but a major icon. But there's other it. icons that are equally. Plus, the days of the week, for example, is the biggest institution where there's a seven-day cycle, each which has a different pantheon that's reflected. He, wait, wait, hang on a sec. Going on, he says likewise. The inscriptions soul occurs re- in in inscriptions soul occurs regularly through the centuries without any break or hiatus nor with any indication of radical change in his nature. You're telling me that wasn't, with, a major, I, yeah, I, that wasn't I, a major cult? That wasn't a major a major he, deity in the... In he, the in, he, there's no data for the, the... When you say cult, okay, let's make sure. Cult means you have instituted priesthood and regular worship and sacrifice. That's what we need to determine. It, he's not arguing that soul was all over the place, as was Luna, as were... Uh, the planets represented in the days of the week, all these things were, were all over the place. But when you demonstrate, when you're talking about worship of, of the sun as a deity, and that you have a priesthood and, and you know, sacrifice and all this kind of stuff, that is difficult. And then when, and we don't have any, in any event, whether there was a cult or not, December 25th was not part of what was being, uh, propagated so let me just finish off one thing i'm con- uh, we've already talked we talked about the the december 25th website that we had he believes 
he's arguing that December 25th comes down from the apostles, which I think is, I think that's crazy. I, I don't think there's any way we can show that. I think that's, um, so that's the view that takes it as apostolic tradition. Syncretism is, seems to be Caleb's perspective. Caleb, I seem, it seems like you're saying there's a syncretism here where you take two different religious traditions and you mix them together and make a new one. And then I, I come from the third. I come from the astronomical scientific. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because I believe that in, in these early church fathers, like second, third, fourth century, they're wanting, they, they are dealing, like you pointed out right at the beginning, they're dealing with certain groups that are disputing the nature of Yeshua. Is he, is he all God? Is he all man? Or is he both? And they want to assert that he was born, okay? He's the most important person ever to be on, born on the planet. They want to affirm that he was born in the flesh, but that he was also 100% God. How can they do that? Well, before they even chose a date, they already had a tradition of associating Yeshua with the passage in Malachi where it says, Shemesh Tzedakah, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. It's a Amazing study. I've been thinking about. I mean, it's worthy of a book in but that, itself. But they, that wasn't. Let that, me finish. Let me finish. Wait, hang on. They, finish. Didn't, they didn't attribute that until late. Let me finish. But wait, you let, can't just no, let skim me, over something. Dates. I'm going to give you dates. I'm setting it up. They attribute. We have church fathers from second century on attributing son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Passage in Malachi, which in Greek is Helios for Shemesh. Because Shemesh is the name of a Babylonian deity. So the word Shemesh is there in Hebrew, name of a deity, Helios in Greek, and soul, it's translated soul in the Vulgate, in Latin translations. That's from Tanakh, and that is associated by early Christians with Yeshua. Now, that's the first thing that happens. There's a, then there is the development of the science of the stars. This is my construction. This is what I believe. And you can t let me finish, and you, I'll hear you out. We have in the 200s the De Pasca uh, Computus book. I, I didn't find out who wrote it, but he says that Messiah was born on March 28th, and this is why, because they saw just as the rabbi, some of the rabbis did, that creation was at the actually. Some of the rabbis say the creation started in Nisan, Nisan one. Some say Tishri one. Um, this uh, third century, so they associate it with early 200s, that Messiah was born on the fourth day of creation, meaning that the, the, the solstice where the day and light were equal, which is the winter, sorry, the spring, uh, they call it the spring equinox, where daylight and dark are of equal time. That is when God created the world. And then they counted four days to the 28th, where the sun was created. And they say that would be the day when Yeshua was born, because, and they associate it with the passage from Malachi, because they see it as a prophecy. The sun will rise. They believe that's Messiah. They associate it with a cosmic event where dark and light are of equal, day and light are of equal time. From, and then they count the days of Bereshit from there, the fourth day. That's where March 28th came from. The second one, um, dating from the, the fourth century, 
says the same thing, but associates it with December 25th for the same reason, though, because they say the sun, it, it's the day where the sun, the days start getting longer. And that is the Midrashic application of the sun will rise with healing in his wings. So what I see is a development of a Midrashic reading of the Malachi passage associated with Yeshua, trying to be associated with what they would consider the science of the heavens. That's where it comes from. It has nothing to do with what pagans were doing. It has to do with charting the stars and trying to uh, anchor a flesh and blood birth for the Son of God associated with the passage from Malachi, the sun will rise with healing in his wings, which had the word Shemesh, Helios, and soul all associated, having nothing to do with the pagan use of the word soul or the pagan use of the word Helios, but associated with the science of the stars. That's where December 25th uh, came from in terms of associating See, it with See, but that's an, you, you are making a huge assumption. That, 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 there is a huge assumption there that they didn't okay. ha- that, that it wasn't based on on paganism. Listen to what he says. He admits. I don't think it has anything to do with paganism. He admits. Okay, he basically says exactly what you just said uh, that it doesn't have anything to do with paganism, even though the pagans were certainly. Uh, listen to what he says. This is uh, this is his conclusion. It is cosmic symbolism of this type which inspired the church leadership in Rome to elect the winter solstice, December 25th, as the birthday of Christ, and the summer solstice, June 25th, as that of John the Baptist. Supplemented... Because that's, that's just going to be six months out of phase. Correct. That's a given. If Sup- one's one, one has to be other. Supplemented by the equinoxes as their respective dates of conception. While they were aware that pagans celebrated a festival in honor of Sol Invictus on that day, this did not concern later. them. No, he doesn't. No, he's <laughs> yeah. That that last statement because no, we don't know. We don't have any evidence. He's stretching right there. We don't have any evidence that Christians in the early third century believed that. We don't know what they thought about pagans celebrating on the twenty fifth. We don't have any data for that. This is he's stitching this together, and I I don't agree with that last statement, but I do agree with this. Here's another place where they use midrash. They say December twenty fifth is when light is increasing. Six months after June 25th, where, where life is decreasing, and they see that as a midrash on where John the Baptist says, I must decrease and he must increase. My point is it's a midrashic. They, 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 associate, they arrive at December 25th as the birth of Christ. Why wouldn't they midrashic, choose the epiphany? Midrashic means it has nothing to do with paganism. Nothing to do with paganism. I don't see how you can say that. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't I understand how you can say that. I said it. Well, yeah, but but obviously the data is there that that the that soul worship was huge, and and no, you're you know no. Yes, he proves it. Huge, huge on other days of the year. Yeah, huge in October. So wait, hang on. Let me let me see. Let me let, let me hang on just a let, let me just see if I got this right. You're telling me that the cult of 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 uh, of soul or the religion of soul had these huge festivals on other days, and that it was a well-established religious uh, institution before the first century, up into the, sec- the second and third century A.D., correct? Sure, and I would, I would agree that there were Christians that knew that, that the Romans worshipped a guy called Sol, the, the Sol, Sun God, but they also had their their Tanakh scripture with Malachi saying the Sol. You're saying it was... You're and they say- knew that they were different. They knew that the Sol... 
in their Latin translation of Malachi, was not the same soul, S-O-L, word for son, that those guys are worshiping. He knew that the, they, they would have known that was diff- they were different. You, they are stretching, you are stretching so far. You're making so many the assumptions. How are, you make, how are you making that assumption? That they would, uh, that, that they... You're, say, you're saying, okay, what I'm hearing you say is that believers, Roman believers in Yeshua, who had the, who had the book of Malachi in Latin, and they see the word soul, the word, the soul will rise, S-O-L. You don't have sun. that midrash until let late. Me finish. Let you me don't finish. have that until late, though. You don't have that don't midrash have... until way later. Caleb, it's the midrash is older than this this uh, chron- uh, chronograph of three fifty four by over a hundred years. But not by we being have... linked to December twenty fifth. No, we have it linked first to to spring. That's the point. The point is the midrash. The midrash of of Mike, uh, Malachi is the taking pre- precedent. That's what they're not going to let go of. They're not going to let go of that Messiah is is the Shemesh Tzedakah in Malachi. That's the core. And in Greek, that was Helios. In, in, in Rome, they would have understood that to be soul. But when they read Malachi, they weren't thinking, oh, this is the pagan, what the pagans are worshiping. No, they knew it was Messiah. And that, that this is my point. You just said that they associated it with the date in March. So even Adam in the chat room says the date chosen is contrived. Why would they choose December 25th? The answer it's and, contri- and not, it's not contri- it's mid yes it's no it's this it's midrashically derived it's it's a combination of midrash and and what they conceived like heavenly science the god that god created the the world and that the the cycles of the heavens were ordained by him or perhaps and, and or perhaps that maybe the the uh, the the worshippers of soul had already contrived this since that say say that again say that or, I the, that. or that they, they they just based it on the same midrash is what exactly what the the worshipers of soul were saying that the that the uh, no we don't that's when, the other thing we don't have people worship, saying that about soul no but the I point mean, is, o- is that October you have in August they have nothing to do with 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 uh, equinoxes or anything like that and they're they're having the hugest feast days for soul are on days that have no cosmic significance they obviously were were aware and uh i mean i would say very aware of the the equinoxes the fact that they're worshiping the sun and the moon and that the that the winter equinox is the lowest point when the sun uh is is uh dark the most are you telling me that that a a uh religion that worshiped the sun and the moon 300 years before the messiah showed up on earth didn't didn't say anything about the the equinox. Uh, not in any source I know about. Uh, I'm that associate with soul. We're talking about soul. We we have like when was when was Stonehenge made? Stonehenge up in England. I think that I think that on the equinox, the sun comes up right in the precisely middle, yeah. between two things. Yeah, yeah, but that's before that's before uh, one hundred. Right. So that's, but we don't, but he, but we don't have any text for. We don't know. All we know is that we don't know if it's if it was a calendar originally and then became religious or what. We just we don't have enough information. But we know. All we have is we the know, stone. But we know. See, once again, I would say that it's it it. it what in, we can't show, we can't know. But we can and show. What it. I, what we I'm can you, show. What I can show. I can show you this, Caleb. I can show you that early Christians believed Malachi. Was talking about Yeshua. That's indisputable. Yeah, and, and I can show you. Yeah, that. and attributed to March. Two early. We have two early instances of people taking that basic prophetic connection 
and trying to map it onto their picture of, of heavenly science from the day. And you're saying they got it for paganism. I'm saying they could have easily got it from their own calculations of when the solstice is going to be. The rabbis. Why would they put it heaven. on the solstice, though? Why not in because March of, when, they, the when they thought he was actually born? <clears throat> because of the relationship between light and darkness. That is, like that is you, such that a weak give, argument. They give the reason. I'm telling you their thought. Their thought is had to do with light. It had to do with an increase of light. And you don't think that it, that it had to do with the influence of, of paganism into account. the culture? I mean, I look at has, uh, no. I don't think it has to do with paganism. I think it, it absolutely do does. Look at the uh, look at the floors of the synagogue. Look at the floors of the synagogue. They, they, oh, yeah, it, so they, they were worshiping Helios. I think that there was significant. That, that you're telling me that the Jews in that with all those synagogues with the beautiful mosaics of zodiac were worshiping Helios. Right, I could make. I, I could say that's what you're saying. No, you couldn't. Because that's yeah, not what I'm saying. You're making the same claim. No. Okay, that, let me yeah. ask you this. Are the, are the Christians today, when they, when they have Christmas trees in their church, are they worshiping uh, the Christmas tree? I would say no, but other people would say probably uh, okay. yes. Okay, so my point is, is that they have... Hang on just yes. a second. Hang on just a sec. Now, now the point is, is that uh, what I'm saying is, is that the synagogue certainly was influenced by the religions around them, and they brought the zodiac and, these, and the iconography from... A, what I'm going to call a other religion or a pagan religion they brought into the synagogue. Just like today, we have the Christian church bringing actually, in... Actually, you know what? There could be another reason for the synagogue mosaics with the Zodiac. It could be like a really good salesman who who had a cool <laughs> design, and he went around and he uh, said, hey, I've got the workers. Don't I'll you do want for this really in your price. synagogue? <laughs> and uh, and, they, and they're like, okay, cool. We, we need a floor, and we need it done cheaply. Just just make it look nice. Look, the point That's another the, the point is is that we ha- we even see it today. That certainly the Christian church by the by even the 2nd century you have you have uh people giving up on Torah and all sorts of things. By the 3rd, 4th and 5th century when you have these mosaics, what has happened? Are you ta- I, I I mean, we even have it today with the Christian church. You, they you, see it as as a science of the cre- of God creating the heaven. You and the earth. are assuming that that is an Caleb, assumption. Sure you interview Lee Levine from uh, from Hebrew University, ancient synagogue. He's like the foremost authority on synagogues. I, I saw his paper. I went to his presentation at uh, SBL. They had a whole group of Jewish, top-notch Jewish scholars giving papers on Lee Levine's work. Time and again, they they make the same point. So if you're you can argue with me about that, but you're gonna you're also going to be arguing with Lee Levine and these other uh, Jewish. Israeli archaeologists who have done all the excavating and all the work on these mosaics, they're going to tell you the same thing. They're going to say this was a this was not religious. This was seen. It was only religious. I'll say it was. I'll qualify. Only religious to the degree that it reflected the how the how the cosmos was conceived by people throughout the Greco-Roman world, and they saw that as the, uh, reflecting. In a in one nutshell, God creating the heavens and the earth, and they they put that in the the mosaic floor to celebrate it. Okay, and my point that, and my point is this: that no matter what, you still have you have pagan imagery in a synagogue, just like you do in the churches today. You have pagan imagery of a Christmas tree, wreaths, and mistletoe. Okay, okay, fine. Yeah. I'm, okay. Yes, the imagery we would say is non-Jewish. Okay. Right. The pe- I, I would agree with this. Except, 
here's the difficulty. The difficulty is we can't say it's Greek. We can't say it's Roman. We can't, we, we have to say it's Babylonian because even in the book of Job, he talks about Ares or, or Pleiades and Orion and the bear, right? He's talking about Mazalot or he's called Mazarot in, in Job or the constellations. So the, the, the idea of associating a heavenly uh, a kind of a scientific or looking at the heavens with specific constellations and zodiac in mind goes back to Tanakh as well. So that are we going to say that's pagan influence on Job, the Book of Job? What I'm saying well, is, maybe, hang on just a second. I'd say it's a larger it's a larger kind of scientific world. I, I, of course, they didn't use the word science. I know that, but what we would call. Uh, astronomical science. And what I'm saying is, is if they're willing to incorporate pagan imagery, even if they don't see it as pagan, pagan imagery into their very synagogues, why wouldn't they be willing to adopt pagan festivals and make them their own? That's the point. They have brought the Zodiac, a pagan imagery, into the synagogues in the first in the third and fourth century. That, you know, that's a fair question. And I, and I have one more thing that I wanted to share on this, is that in the Babylonian Talmud, in the tractate of uh, Avodah Zarah, or in good Ashkenazi, you'd say Avodah Zarah, <laughs> which, is, which is the tractate of the Mishnah on strange worship. That's what Avodah Zarah means, is strange worship. I'm sorry, you said Babylonian Talmud? Yeah, the Babylonian Talmud. Okay. They talk about the eight-day feasts that were before the solstice and eight-day feasts that were after. That the, so They're talking about Saturnalia, which is eight-day feast before the winter solstice. And they say, the, the Babylonian Talmud, the Gemara, says that it was originally created by Adam, that Adam instituted this feast, but then it became paganized. The pagans took it over and made it something it wasn't supposed to be. Yeah, but obviously— now, but I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, okay, so this is the same time frame, 4th, 5th, 6th century, we have— it's across all these different traditions. But, we have the but, same hey, but, but basic the, deal. But in the sixth century, you have you have people from the church saying that Christmas was uh, taken from pagan tradition. Uh, no, we don't have that till the the earliest. I think we have is tenth century. I think earlier I misspoke. I was thinking in terms of the re reformed tradition. But yeah, there is a criticism in the tenth century text, and the one guy uh, quotes this: the Syriac. Well, doesn't Chris Austin say? I'm pretty sure Chris Austin says something about them borrowing the uh, borrowing the winter solstice, the the worship of of a different god. Why? And here's another question: By the time you have the the uh, document from 354, you mm -hmm. he, he says that they have already instituted huge chariot races and all sorts of stuff. As on the on the winter equinox, uh, in in celebration of Sol. No, it says the thirty. Yeah, but there. But those other days, those August and October days, have way even bigger celebrations associated. with Okay, Sol. but but you. So what you're telling so, me is that they just all of a sudden decided, uh, third century. Hey, let's start having chariot yeah, races on the yeah, on the, the, the winter guy, and I, I'm convinced by this guy's article, the uh, uh, Stephen Heijmans. If we're saying that right, if we're not, I'm sorry, Mr. Heijmans. Um, he says. With the data given, if we're going to use just weights and measures, we can't say who influenced who. Because w w there's not enough data to say the Christians borrowed it from the pagans, at just as, and there's not enough data to say the pagans borrowed it from the Christians. It's basically, it's like at a standstill. I, it's, it's, 
I would his point. I would strongly disagree with that, but you know what? We can we can agree to disagree. All right. Good discussion. Hey man. Uh, I, I hope you have a, uh, good Festivus. <laughs> Festivus. I, I, I'm not going to do so well on the feats of strength though. I think that Festivus is over. Isn't Festivus normally on December 21st or is it the 20, is it today? No, Festivus is, I think it's just the season, isn't it? No, 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 no. It's just, I, okay. Fun fact. We're talking Jerry Stiller here. Fun, fun, fun Seinfeld fact. Festivus Costanza. was actually celebrated by one of the writers. His father made it up. It was an actual made-up festival. Larry David or whatever. No, it wasn't Larry? Larry David. It was a different one. But uh, they they talk about how how it was uh, it was ridiculous and and all that kind of stuff. But that's why they wrote the and it, there was a specific date. I think it was December twenty first. Might have been Festivus. Either okay. that or it was the twenty third. So cool. so just to wrap up, we'll be clear. I, Caleb, this was a great a great discussion. I appreciate it. I like the I like the back and forth. We don't we usually don't have the opportunity to have disagreements opposing views so this is really cool but basically in a nutshell i will say i believe that december 25th was adopted primarily based on the midrash from malachi son of righteousness will rise a healing his wings and then early attempts to try to associate that with the nature of of the sun going through its cycles in the heavens initially as uh spring equinox and then finally getting settled as the the winter solstice um, and w- having to do with verses like increase and decrease and stuff like that. Uh, what I'm hearing your viewpoint is, is no, I'm missing the data. It's actually adopted from that the pagan, there was a big cult of soul, worshiping soul on the 25th and, and what Christians wanted to do. And I don't think you're denying the fact that they needed to, they felt compelled to come up with a birthday because they oh, felt yeah. pressured to come up with a birthday to insert incarnation i will even but, concede i rob i will even concede that uh, that that the 25th was probably not by any means the largest of the of the festivals within seoul the other thing that we have to we have to take into consideration this is something that i'll look at uh this week and and try to bring maybe next week is uh, we know that there were other festivals that very possibly might have come after this, but I'm I want to do uh, research to see when we have because we, there were other uh, there were other festivals that went on on December 23rd and uh, the week prior to December 23rd uh, that that uh, we have in in historical documents. Now now I don't think that they're that old. I don't think they're as old, but I but I, that's what I need to look into. So I would say I, I think that they chose the winter equinox because uh, even though it might not, not have been the major festival festival of Seoul, which probably was done in what August twenty uh, second, I think, um, or and I think October was another one. Yeah, there was a, there's a clusters of them for yeah. some reason. Um, but I, I so I don't think it was the, the l- largest festival, but I think that they certainly were doing something on on the winter equinox. Yeah, I, I don't dispute that that pay, that some people were doing something on that. Oh, by the way, we never talked about in the Julian calendar. It is December 25th and March 25th are equinoxes, and then later it slowly moves to December 21st. Just so people understand, people say, "Well, 25th isn't the even the solstice because I said equinox. I meant solstice." Um, yeah, I think I used it's the equinox. 21st, 22nd, and and so there's variance because the Julian calendar gets overridden, you know, and, and the calendar keeps getting refined. So we're dealing with astronomical science, calendrical science. And that's that's my orientation to the data. Caleb's you're coming from more you're looking at the power of influence of the different pagan groups and their worship as an influence. And I think um, 
I'm leaning more towards the one and you're to the other, but somewhere the truth is in there. All right. Well, we hope that you enjoyed uh, the look that we had at uh, December 25th. Whether or not you uh, think that it was adopted one way or the other from one group or the other, uh, I think that the main thing you should be thinking of on December 25th this year will be preparation for the Shabbat, which will be that night at sunset. Um, because that certainly is sanctioned by God in the Torah and in the Bible. I would say it's even sanctioned in, uh, in the apostolic scriptures in Acts 15, correct? Oh, anyway. that reminds me, Caleb. I was kicked out of that one. Yeah, I know. We'll <laughs> okay, talk. So, yeah, we have, we, just real quick, final. This is a PSS, right? Postscript script. I know you started the music, but we were invited to a reformed... Should I, should I stop the music? Okay, I'll stop well, the yeah, music. Go yeah. for it. We were invited to a reformed blog um, <laughs> by Rob and some others, and I, I jumped in. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll check it out. And Caleb informed me I was booted out, but I brought up... I said, you know, the Shabbat is the most mentioned commandment in the New Testament. It's mentioned like 80 times or whatever uh, being observed. They did not uh, like because I, I don't know why I don't know why they booted you. You didn't say anything of like you weren't arguing with anybody. No, the one lady one late the only time they, they might think I was being argumentative, one lady's like, well, um, God she said that's why Jesus had to die. That's why we need God's grace is because he gave the law and, and no one can keep the law. And I said no we don't need God's grace because of that. That that is making it sound like Jesus was a second was Plan B. Like Plan A was God gives the Torah. Well, they fail, so God has to come up with an alternative route to salvation. I said, no, that's not right. And she's like, well, you're misunderstanding. I'm like, no. When you say use the word why, this is why we need God's grace. It's like, no, that's not why. God is gracious from the beginning all the way to the end. He it's, He is gracious. Um, I'm pretty sure I got booted too. Because I can't find it either. Anyway, I can't. So fi- I can't find I, the group to, either. <laughs> thanks to those brothers who invited us in there, but uh, and I don't mind getting kicked out. That's kind of it's neither here nor there. But um, I was citing talking about Texas Receptus and Masoretic, and I think it quickly got beyond. I think their capacity to talk intelligently. Yeah, I got. So, uh, I got. I got booted too. I'm not on here anymore. I don't believe. So, anyway. all, right, all right, hang on. I'm going to start the music back up. Should I start it? Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, there we go. Send us an email. Seahagatorresource.com. Uh, rvanhoffatorresource.com. Check us out on Facebook. All that kind of good stuff. And, uh, yeah, no matter what you're doing on December 25th, uh, we hope that whatever it is you're doing, it will honor our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. <laughs>